Interviewing world leaders in the age of COVID is a complicated business. Rana, can you hear me? Hello there, can you hear me? Yes, hi, good afternoon, how are you? Very well, thank you. Thank you so much for organising this. After lengthy negotiations via a WhatsApp group titled Exclusive Interview, I'm now on the line to Afghanistan. I've been covering the situation there for about 15 years, but I've never had a call like this before. Thank you so much. That would be really kind. It sort of just helps us with a backup. Most of us at The Times are still working from home, so I'm in my usual recording spot, the cupboard under the stairs. The Afghan president, Ashraf Ghani's staff, all wearing masks to protect against the virus, are currently gathered around a screen in Kabul. At the same time, right? We are not going to surprise the president. <laughs> and then President Ghani arrives. And Ms. Rana, I have excellency the president. Fantastic. Good morning. Hello. Thank you so much for doing this. We're really grateful. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. It's a pleasure to speak to you. I've heard a lot about you. <laughs> That's it's very good. kind. He sits behind a grand desk with a huge Afghan flag at his side and the weight of his country's future hanging heavily over him. With much of the world's attention elsewhere, it would be easy to miss the fact that this is a crucial week for Afghanistan. After nearly two decades, the Afghan war could finally be limping to an end and a peace deal with the Taliban could now be on the horizon. But... Will some of the most dangerous Taliban fighters have to be released back into society in return? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today. Would you mind, just for the tape, just um, introducing yourself? My name is Ashraf Khan. I have the honour of serving the people of Afghanistan. A conversation with the President of Afghanistan on the price of peace. I wake up every morning, my day begins at 4.30 or 5 or 5.30. And the first thing I read are the casualty figures. Ashraf Ghani has been the president of Afghanistan since 2014. In the past, he's described it as the worst job on earth. The first item of my encounter with reality is devastation. In my first months, there was an attack on children playing volleyball, when these children were brought to the military hospital, 
It's a sight that you don't want to see. It's a sight that you never forget. Children of seven cut to pieces by Daesh. Violence literally makes us sick. For decades, Ashraf Ghani lived in the West. He's an anthropologist by training, an academic and an expert in rebuilding failed states. It's been 40 years. I left Afghanistan to get a PhD on August 26, 1977. Two years later, in 1979, the Soviet Union invaded Afghanistan. The country was turned upside down, caught in a sort of proxy war between the Russians on one side and the insurgents, the Mujahideen backed by America, on the other. All adult males of my family, men, were put in prison. Mujahideen and rebel soldiers are fighting to take control. The Russians have recently moved combat troops into Afghanistan to strengthen the depleted army. The Russians must be aware that their involvement in Afghanistan could easily backfire. It was a conflict that would end with the withdrawal of foreign forces and the rise of the Taliban, a hardline religious movement. They quickly filled the void left by the toppled Afghan government. They banned girls going to school. They banned television and music. Justice, at least the Taliban's version of it, was swift and brutal. By 1998, the Taliban controlled almost 90% of the country. On September the 11th, enemies of freedom committed an act of war against our country. Aiding and abetting murder, the Taliban regime is committing murder. But in the aftermath of 9-11, foreign attention turned to Afghanistan once again. On my orders, the United States military has begun strikes. We are joined in this operation by our staunch friend, Great Britain. And two months after the fall of the Taliban in December 2001, Ashraf Ghani flew home. I had remembered it as a lush place of gardens, vineyards, etc. The gardens of my ancestors, it turned into a desert. It was devastated. It all been burned down. West Kabul, one of the most modern parts of Kabul, looked like a 12th century ruin after Genghis Khan's invasion. Wow. It was a sight that broke my heart. And that was the story everywhere. Then came hope. In December 2001, at a United Nations meeting in Germany, prominent Afghans met to decide how the country should be governed after the fall of the Taliban. Ashraf Ghani was there, advising the head of the UN. A process that resulted in the creation of the Islamic Republic of Afghanistan. Everybody was enthusiastic, the world was with us. But for the next 18 years, the new Afghan government and international armed forces would become mired in conflict with a resurgent Taliban. 15 years after the Taliban were toppled, 
Afghan forces are losing their long war against a revitalized insurgency. More than 30,000 civilians would lose their lives. Three and a half thousand coalition troops would be killed. We must deny al-Qaeda a safe haven. We must reverse the Taliban's momentum and deny it the ability to overthrow the government. Until, in 2014, feeling political pressure at home, NATO leaders declared combat operations were over. I think our troops can leave with their heads held high over a job very well done. I think it is good enough. It is not perfect. America's combat mission will be over by the end of this year. Starting next year, Afghans will be fully responsible for securing their country. I managed the transition process where international forces that numbered by then around 150,000 had to withdraw on a very organized schedule. But today, there are still 8,500 American troops in Afghanistan and nearly 1,000 from the UK. The withdrawal has not been total. The Taliban has not been eliminated. And although some rebuilding has been possible, Afghanistan remains in a sort of stasis. You know, it's become very common to say, have a vision, have a mission, have a plan. But that requires stability. And now, Afghanistan is at a turning point. There's talk of a peace deal. The US, under President Trump, is in a hurry to leave and has been negotiating directly with the Taliban. But President Ghani is concerned. Peace means end of violence. Peace does not mean a deal that is going to be a prelude to another round of this. You talk about needing to establish a peace which isn't a prelude to more violence. How did you feel when you heard about the terms of the peace deal between America and the Taliban, which you weren't allowed to be a part of? What did you make of the terms that they'd established? Do you think they were a prelude to more violence? The jury's out. The first issue is that real peace, the process of peace, began with my unconditional offer of a peace deal to the Taliban. That offer, in March 2018, was followed by a ceasefire between the Taliban and the Afghan government, the first after more than 16 years of war. And that ceasefire showed something that even I wasn't confident of, the immense capacity of the Afghan public for forgiveness, for embracing the future over the past. But the Taliban leadership panicked. The country was plunged back into conflict, and it's a situation that in the past 12 months, America has been increasingly keen to get itself out of. President Trump has made it clear that he would like to reduce United States commitments abroad and end the long wars. But instead of working with President Ghani's government, the Trump administration has left him feeling out of the loop. But the choice was made that a direct agreement with the Taliban would be the best way. The terms of agreement with the Taliban were vague. For instance, it set up to 5,000 prisoners and that the US would facilitate this. Vague terms. In its deal with the Taliban in February, the US agreed that thousands of prisoners, Taliban fighters, would be released. It was a crucial bargaining chip, given away without the involvement of President Ghani's government. The pattern in peace agreements is that prisoners particularly the most important categories, come last. 
but a soft promise turned into a hard promise. Future historians will judge as to whether a more organized process making the agreement between Taliban and the government first and then dealing with the issue of U.S. departure would have been a better way or is this way? You make a very good point because now you will have your own negotiations with the Taliban. Do you feel like the Americans have almost tied your hands behind your back by taking a lot of your bargaining chips already? You're right, normally you would reserve prisoner releases for the end. My hands are never tied behind my back. I'm not the person to, to feel that my hands are tied. But have they stolen some of your bargaining chips for that for those negotiations? The US has asked more of us because we're a government. We're paying the price of being a responsible and accountable government. This month, following deliberations with thousands of Afghans, President Ghani reached his own agreement to release 400 Taliban prisoners in a move towards reconciliation. My hands were not tied behind my back because I opened my heart and my mind to the people of Afghanistan. In spite of COVID, he travelled across Afghanistan, taking the pulse of the country, gathering a lawyer jirga, a grand tribal council, and persuading them to back him. It's an attempt to build momentum for his own negotiations with the Taliban. Now, the moral basis of releasing these prisoners has been shared by every Afghan. It's the people of Afghanistan, if there was any doubt, the people want an enduring peace. So they're giving me what type of peace would be acceptable. Based on that now, we will engage in serious, constructive, courageous talks with the Taliban, and I hope that they would be ready for that type of give and take. It's amazing that you've managed to get the people of Afghanistan to back this peace process. But do you worry about releasing some of the most dangerous Taliban figures? I mean, is that something that still is difficult? Of course. These 400 people stand for everything that breaks my heart because they've killed both our international guests and our people. They have a lot of blood on their hands. There are people who are large drug dealers, etc., etc. Violence against women. If drugs go through the roof in United Kingdom and Europe, all your leaders have been part of this. If amphetamine reaches the shores of the United States, and if these people commit crimes, it's shared international responsibility. We've made this decision together. We don't have the means, unfortunately, to be able to contain all these people. But now the obstacle that seemed immovable has been removed and we can get to the real business of peacemaking. One of the parts of this deal has been sort of a set of conditions in order to make sure it goes through. Part of that was a ceasefire that the Taliban have promised to keep. At the same time, we are seeing lots of targeted attacks. I mean, just... In the last 24 hours, we've, we've heard that Fawzia Kufi, a great campaigner for female rights in Afghanistan, her, her car has been attacked. Is there a danger that the, the Taliban are still targeting people who are important to the future of an open and free Afghanistan, and yet the US conditions still seem to be met? Thank you for your sympathies for former member of parliament and current member of the negotiating team, Ms. Fawzia Kufi. She has had a small operation on her hand. The bullet has been removed. When I called in the morning, she was resting. The danger has passed. 
But this is a continual promise. The Taliban have, have not embraced the ceasefire. That's a misunderstanding. Yeah. The ceasefire will be the first item of the agenda when direct discussions, negotiations between the delegation of the Islamic Republic of Afghanistan and Taliban begin. Now we will see what the Taliban truly believe. Unfortunately, peace has not been socialized among their commanders and among their fighters. So it's an important juncture. I hope that they will make the right choice. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. For years they've been trying to do this, and today the United States signed a deal with the Taliban and I'll say this for the Taliban, they're great fighters. All you have to do is ask the Soviet Union. But they, they're tired also. After years of rebuilding foreign nations, we are finally rebuilding our nation and taking care of our own American citizens. It's time, right? It's time. It must be very difficult for you because this is a deal you haven't had any ability to shape yourself. What has it been like for you working with the Trump administration? You know, you've worked with their predecessors too. Does it feel like there is a rush for the exit and they're in such a hurry to leave? That is this is this the sort of deal that you would have signed up to? Uh, first of all, my style of discussions and partnership is I focus on the issues, not on the persons. Yeah, but is there a sense that there is a rush for the exit now? As a leader of Afghanistan, as an elected leader of Afghanistan, people have taken away my right to feelings and to personal opinion. A war-affected country does not have the luxury of determining the policies and strategies of its major partners. Some people, having seen this deal, having seen the prisoner releases and the fact that there is still violence taking place and the Taliban haven't completely stopped that, it is being hailed by some people, particularly Taliban figures, as a Taliban victory. Is it? It's a tactical victory. It's not a strategic victory. Yeah. It's a tactical victory because they've gained an objective. But in the process, 
they've drawn a lot of attention to themselves. Who have they asked to be released? Some of the largest drug dealers in the world. Yeah. Some of the worst criminals on the face of the earth. They've not yet separated themselves. So yes, it's a narrow objective, but if they won hearts, if they convinced either the international community or the Afghan public, they got their tactical victory, but they've exposed themselves strategically, both to the scrutiny of the world and to the scrutiny of the Afghan people. But Afghanistan faces a huge challenge. A recent UN report says al-Qaeda is quietly gaining strength in the country while working under the Taliban's protection. There's a risk that as countries like the US and the UK walk away applauding the peace, a lot of the factors that led to the war in the first place could persist. So after the withdrawal of Western troops, is Afghanistan's own military up to the challenge? We have now one of the best fighting forces and our commandos and special forces and our air force. We need support. Um, this needs saying, you know, Afghans for thousands of years, it kept Afghanistan. The experience of the 18 years is very rare. What we want is not a number focused discussion, but a quality. What would enable us to build our security forces, we are beginning to pay for them but we need a transition period to be able to. The key thing that we want from the international community is support for an orderly peace. We are at that critical juncture between either bringing stability to our country or, God forbid, going to a new cycle of violence. I mean, given that, as you describe it, Afghanistan is on a precipice, you know, the violence could get much worse or you could finally have the stability you need to rebuild as a country... Are you worried that America in particular seems so keen to leave in such a hurry? Have you been assured that you'll get the support you need to be able to build a better future? First of all, our trust is in God. I should not be alive. But the number of trips I take and the number of rockets that are thrown at me and others. Second, this is a nation with a history of thousands of years. Our trust, first and foremost, should be to mobilize ourselves. We need help. The shape of that help is important, but it's not dependent on having boots on the ground. The key thing we want is not the question of the departure, but clarity of the decision-making. Would you like to see British troops staying on? Yes. And for, for how long? What sort of a time scale? The, the long scale is unpredictable. Sandhurst has been an extremely important partner, and Sandhurst has actually created a Sandhurst type military academy, and the reconstruction support that has been provided to DFID has been first class. We greatly appreciate. And I want to thank the British taxpayers for their very principled support to us during these years. That's kind. Thank you. Hopefully, this will now pave the way for talks between you and the Taliban. What sort of a deal would you be willing to accept? I mean, what, how can you see yourself working in the future with them? I think the ultimate judgment will be a Jirga in the Parliament of Afghanistan. The deal, we're looking for a deal to end the violence and to make us back into a united people that can work together. The details are premature to discuss. We hope that the Taliban will respond positively to those so we can move forward together.
And with that, I reached the end of my time with President Ghani, who was keen not to be late for his next meeting with a commander of US forces in Afghanistan. General Miller has just arrived. I need to, to apologize. I literally have to go. In all these years, I've never been late. Uh, <laughs> and I really want to thank you. Thank you very much for doing that. It was a real pleasure to Thanks. talk. A pleasure was entirely mine. Thank you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, the President of Afghanistan, Ashraf Ghani. The producer today was James Shield. The executive producer is Poppy Damon. Sound design was by Carla Patella. Music by Breakmaster Cylinder and Ketzer. If you enjoyed this episode, please do leave us a review in your podcast app to help other people discover the show. See you tomorrow. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.